0: We're in this series on voices. The other day, I got a notification from Spotify uh, that congratulated me on being in the, wait for it, top 1% of Beatles listeners in the world. (laughs) Thank you. I'm not really sure that's something to applaud. I'm not sure it's something to admit. Um, But I wonder what voices you are listening to at the moment. Over half term, I was in Zurich. And there was a time when the church was confused by uh, many different voices, voices that people couldn't understand. And 501 years ago, a pastor by the name of Ulrich Zwingli, he began preaching. And what he did was he shifted the emphasis of the church service into uh, just simply explaining the word of God. And he began with these chapters in Matthew. And as he began to uh, read these uh, passages and as he explained them, people came alive in Jesus Christ, their city-state was uh, transformed, and the, revolution, the the Reformation began in uh, in Europe. Uh, listening to the voice of God in this gospel that Matthew has written, it can change your life, it can change a city, it can change The world. It's also, I find, really funny. Look at verse 2. So deadpan. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Um, The stage is the wilderness. The setting is the wilderness. And it's like an, an origin story for Jesus Christ. He's just been baptized, which we looked at last week. And it's also a bit like SAS, Who Dares, Wins that Jesus, he has an assault course with the devil. Last time I spoke on hell, and uh, today Jago has asked me to speak about Satan. Not quite sure what that means. Um, Jesus speaks about Satan lots, more than we find socially acceptable. And it isn't socially acceptable, to believe in the devil, is it? You know, we all know there's evil out there. Of course there is. Of course there is. But the secular view is that you can explain that away with sociological and psychological factors. A devil or the thought of a devil is is primitive and simplistic. However, the Bible says that if you don't believe that evil has a supernatural and a spiritual root, then you're the one who's being simplistic. And you are in for trouble. Frances Perkins was uh, the first female cabinet member in the US, and she was Labour Secretary under. FDR. And she recalls how she had a chat with FDR in in 1944, as for the war, as the Second World War was coming to a close. And he was telling her about how a pastor had put um, him onto the writings of Dorothy Sayers. Now, Dorothy Sayers had, in turn, been influenced uh, by Søren Kierkegaard, who is the the Danish philosopher, uh, social critic, and theologian. Now, Kierkegaard's uh, writing was defined by a fresh emphasis on the doctrine of sin. And so FDR, he began to look into this. He began to explore this. And Frances Perkins recalls FDR saying this to her. Kierkegaard explains the Nazis to me as nothing else ever has. I've never been able to make out how people who are obviously human beings could behave like that. They are human, yet they behave like Demons. Kierkegaard gives you the understanding of what it is in a man that makes it possible for them to be so evil. For years, Jewish leaders had been telling the leaders of the Western world what had been happening. But they weren't listened to, they weren't believed. Why? Because in secular terms, you can't explain such evil. But FDR, he realized that the Nazis went to the best schools and they listened to Mozart. So how does an apparently refined human being turn into a monster? Well, now FDR, he had a biblical account of where evil comes from spiritually and supernaturally. The leaders who ignored the Holocaust, they couldn't handle this. Make no mistake, Satan's attacks on you and me, they are subtle, they are gradual, they're very persuasive, but they're full on. And you are not here by accident. You have a purpose to your life and your purpose is to bear fruit for Jesus Christ. And if you don't recognize evil for what it is, then your mission, your purpose here on planet Earth, will be compromised and possibly derailed. More than Satan, the thing that Jesus spoke about the most was the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of heaven, God's influence on the world. And so this is a showdown between two kingdoms the kingdom of God and uh, the kingdom of hell. And which one is going to win? In Jesus' life and in my life, in your life? Which one is it going to be? Well, let's have a look at temptation number one. Look there in verse three. The tempter came to Jesus and, and said, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Remember back to verse 2, Jesus is hungry at this point. And and in verse 4, Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, he's saying first things first. Firstly, I'm going to listen to the voice of God and what he says to me. Put it another way, Jesus, he's not going to live primarily for his own needs and wants, but in obedience to his Father's plan. This is all about having a relationship with God and depending on him, living by him. Are we people of conviction or are we people of comfort and convenience? Temptation number two. Look at verse five. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. Although Jesus could command a host of angels to save him from the cross, he was willing to put his trust in his father in heaven and say, you are where my security lies. And this is really hard for us Because we've got to say, God, you are God. No strings attached. You run my life the way that you want to run my life. Temptation number three. Look at verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Now, there's actually nowhere on earth where you can physically see all the kingdoms of the world. So what Satan is doing here is he is appealing to Jesus' imagination. And that's what he does with you and me as well. And this is far more profound. It's far deeper than merely eating too much chocolate. Because you don't have to be explicitly a devil worshiper. Because if your family or your career or anything, anything which is good even, if any of those things become more important to your worth and your value and your identity than God is to those things, then those things will become a force that enslave you and ensnare you and paralyze you. So can you see how just the small things in life and the big things, that they have uh, the possibility of forming us, of forming us either in a godly way or in a demonic way? So, how do you, how do you and I resist temptation? How how can we uh, combat this? How can we resist temptation? What is it that we can learn from Jesus? Well, how about uh, go into the desert? Oh yes, we need space, but a desert's quite hard to come by in central London. Or how about fasting? Oh well, yes, fasting it keeps reminding you of God throughout your day. But then, when you're hungry, you're probably more likely to be tempted. Aren't you? How about solitude? Well, yes, it's true that the depth of what you bring to other people will uh, depend on what it is that you do with your solitude. But then again, it's often when we're by ourselves, when we're alone, that we are the most tempted, aren't we? I know, I know. Stand on the truth of God's word. You all expect me to say this, don't you? Stand on the truth of God's word. Except that's exactly what the devil does in this passage. He quotes scripture back at Jesus. And what about those times when I am listening to the word of God and yet I still mess up? What do I do then? So what do I do? Maybe if I look deep inside myself. You know, that is the catch cry of a generation, isn't it? To search for the hero inside yourself. And maybe if I make a few tweaks and I pull back some layers and I look deep, deep within, I'll realize that I'm actually not a vicar, but I come from the planet Krypton and I'll know my identity as Superman. And I'm not sure that deserves a round of applause either. And uh, maybe if I get a special cape Maybe then I will become the person that deep down I know that I am. How does it look? Do you think I can pull that off? Um, no, 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 no applause. Um, but the, the, the problem is here the problem is I have searched for the hero inside of myself. And I've looked deep inside of myself. And I've realized that I am not Superman. I'm Jamie Mulvaney, and I haven't mastered this. I don't know anyone who has, and today I have not come to you to preach perfectionism. I have not come today to teach perfect principles, but I have come today to preach about a perfect person, about Jesus, who is the perfect person that you and I couldn't be. If you look at verse one, why would Jesus be led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? You know, didn't Jesus teach us to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? Well, the thing is, Jesus was was led into the wilderness so he could deliver us from evil. Because even though Jesus was tempted in every way, just as you and I are, He did not give in to temptation. He did not sin. You know, I'm not going to give you top tips today on how to tackle temptation. If Jesus is primarily your example, you'll be discouraged. Because none of us can live up to that example, to that standard that Jesus sets. But if you look primarily to Jesus as your savior, you will be encouraged you'll be encouraged. Look to Jesus primarily as your savior. More than a model, Jesus is your Messiah. And Jesus, he keeps going back to Deuteronomy. He keeps saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. Moses said that God led Israelites into the wilderness so he could uh, humble them and test them in order to know what was in their hearts, whether or not they would keep his commands. And what, what did Israel do? Well, they tested God and they, they strived and strived at Meribah and Massah. They made an idol out of a golden calf and they clutched at manna in the wilderness. Israel failed woefully. Jesus, he is the fulfillment of Israel. And he passed these tests with flying colors. The devil is in the detail, but so is God. And he weaves himself meticulously into our story. Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, they mirror the Israel, Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. And at every point he succeeds. Where Israel failed, where we failed, Jesus, he succeeds and he passes the test with flying colors. Israel was faithless, but Jesus was faithful. Jesus, he lived the life that you and I should have lived and he died the death that you and I should have died he lived the totally obedient life that you and I have it. and he paid the death that you and I deserved so what do we do and what do we do when Satan tempts us well you can't prepare by rote the SAS entry test is always a surprise that's the point of it And yes, Jesus, he instinctively responds with the word of God because that is what is deepest inside of him. And so yes, let's get the word of God deep down inside of us. But there's no point memorizing scripture unless you know what the point of scripture is, which is all about Jesus coming and paying the price for our sins and being our savior. You know, John Newton, he he didn't sing... Grace has brought me safe thus far, and top tips will lead me home. He didn't sing, Grace has brought me safe thus far, and life hacks will bring me home. No, he sang, Grace will lead me home. The cross is the way in, and it's the way on. This is how I fight my battles. This is about depending on Jesus. God was trying to teach Israel to depend on him. That's what it's all about. And so you've got Jesus. He was the faithful Israelite. And he totally depended on his father in the power of the Holy Spirit. The enemy, he will try to take you out of the context of your relationship with the father just as he did with Jesus. Just as he took the Bible out of context. He'll try the same dirty old tricks with you and me. But note that in combating Satan, Jesus, he doesn't invoke anyone. He doesn't sort of say, stand back everybody and roll up his sleeves and say some magic words. No, in verse 10, he just says to Satan, get out. He says, away from me. The Bible Doesn't actually say that we should resist temptation. Even Oscar Wilde said, I I can resist anything but temptation. You know, it's funny because it's true. It's hard to resist temptation, it's far more effective to resist the source of temptation. James writes, Resist the devil and he will flee. Because Jesus has defeated Satan on the cross. And John tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And what's more, in verse 4, Jesus tells us that we feed on the word of God. Now, how does David put it? Well, David says that God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, in the presence of our enemies, And so even in the presence of our enemies, we can depend on God. You know, Satan isn't going to appear to you with horns and a pitchfork. He's more likely to be looking shiny and attractive and persuasive and telling you precisely what you want to hear. Skating so close to the truth and justifying actions. But the enemy, he comes to steal and kill and destroy And the table that God prepares for you is all about life to the full. If you are being drawn away from life to the full right now, well, then the enemy is sat at your table. If you're doubting your identity and your worth and your value, the enemy is sat at your table. If the enemy is accusing you for even being tempted in the first place, then the enemy is sat at your table. Because sometimes we get thoughts that come into our minds and we wonder where that thought's come from. And that alone is not sinful, but entertaining those thoughts is sinful. Letting those thoughts take up space on our mental canvas and entertaining and dining with those thoughts is Your enemy is prowling around. But do not, do not, do not give the enemy a seat at your table. Get out of that pattern. Break the cycle. Get out of that unhealthy relationship. Do not flirt with temptation. Do not entertain it and give it space because it's very hard to resist temptation. But we can resist the devil. Just like Jesus, away from me, Satan. It's about saying, I don't listen to Satan at all. What I do is I feed. I feed on God. I feed on every word that he says about me, And about my identity and my value and my worth to him. And I feed on every word that he says about the finished work of the cross and how he has defeated the works of darkness. And you know, while we're on the topic of food, Matthew, he was right to say that Jesus was hungry. You know, psychological combat with Satan in the wilderness is no walk in the park. Even Mark, who says the bare minimum, he only says three sentences about this time of Jesus' testing. He says that the angels came and attended to him. Why do you think he needed the angels to attend to him? Hebrews tells us that because Jesus suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. God and the devil, they might be opposite forces, but they are not equal forces. We have the victory in Jesus Christ because of the work of the cross. And you and I, we stand on this side of the resurrection. And the same power that empowered Jesus in the desert, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, lives inside each one of us who is depending on Jesus Christ. Jesus has the victory. And in him, you are more than a conqueror. If only you will accept Jesus' help. This is how I fight my battles. What are you giving up for Lent? Chocolate? Instagram? Or yet again, this Lent, I'm giving up? Join me, will you? You give up, I give up. Let's all give up together. Let's give up striving, let's give up our very best efforts. Let's give up the silly things that are propping up our lives and lean instead on the rugged cross. What could be a better prop for our lives than Jesus Christ himself? There's a lot more to the Christian life than merely avoiding sin. You and I were made for more. We were made for complete dependence on Jesus Christ. In verse 10, Jesus says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So come and worship the perfect man who passed the test for you and me. Come and receive from him. Come and feed on him in every word that he says. Come and sit at the table and feed on Jesus. Come and be satisfied in him. Come and find rest in him. Come and be led by the Spirit. You don't have to fear evil. You don't need to fear anything. Make Jesus' life and his death the main thing about yours and let him inflame your heart and imagination. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and worship Jesus.